Hey friends, I'm Taylor and welcome to Taylor Asks a Question. I'm so thankful that you are here listening and joining me in my curiosities. We have more access to each other than at any other time in history, and yet we have never been more disconnected in our real life relationships. So let's connect. We'll discuss the wide spectrum of life's questions. We'll go from what are you binging on Netflix to how do you explain why bad things happen to good people? My hope is that these conversations will bring you joy, encourage you to lead out with compassion, help you discover the beauty and community, and most importantly, that the gospel of Jesus would go forth from this tiny corner of the world. Let's start asking questions. You guys, this is the episode I teased a few weeks ago, and it's finally here. The Pastors of the Pod make their debut, and I can't wait for you to hear my conversation with Pastor Dimitri and Pastor Lewis. Um, I hope that they will make more appearances, and I would love to be able to do an entire episode where we dedicate a Q&A style, and who knows, maybe one day we will be able to do some sort of live recording with you listeners there and you can ask them anything that you want like you know ask me anything or just a fun live Q&A session Um, but if you have any questions in the meantime please feel free to email the show at taylorasks at gmail.com that's t-a-y-l-e-r a live show is just like such a big dream. It'd be so much fun. But I just want to say thank you so much to each one of you for listening. I am so, so blessed by those of you who subscribe and listen each week. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe and follow on Spotify. Okay, on to the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Taylor Asks a Question. I am uh, here with my two pastors, the pastors of the pod as I have dubbed them and they're <laughs> they're, they're only a little resistant to it, but it's fine. <laughs> so I'm here with uh, Pastor Dimitri and Pastor Lewis. Say hi, fellas. Hello, fellas. <laughs> Great. You guys, this I is just perfect. Do it on this is perfect. Hey guys, I've been married hey, y'all. long enough. Welcome, hey, welcome to the podcast. Guys, gals, and everyone yes, else. Yes, yes. So, I wanted to bring them on here because I am not a pastor, and I am not qualified in my own right by any means to talk about some really important topics. Um, specifically, I know I I have a lot of friends out there who A, are not Christians, but B, who have walked away from the church or, um, I guess, walked away from Jesus in one way or another. And so I know even myself, I've walked through church hurt and um, abusive power or abusive leadership before. And I really wanted to have them on to discuss what, um, what biblically that looks like and to also just kind of acknowledge that that does happen. That is a reality because pastors are still humans. They are sinners and they fail us and they are not meant to be put on a pedestal or the ultimate um, thing that we seek to emulate. And 
have our identity be in. So um, it was just really important to me to have two qualified leaders <laughs> who I respect and trust um, talk about this discussion and have you hear it from them because you don't have to, you don't have to trust any of us, but they definitely will have great biblical wisdom to share. And I'm just going to kind of ask questions and hopefully there will be some, some good laughs and some good stories. And I'm just praying that if you are, that for everyone listening, that you would, um, just hopefully learn something you would grow or you would even feel seen if you've walked through church hurt or abusive power that you would know that this is, um, it's an unfortunate thing that a lot of people walk through and given the current climate of the church and the world, um, there, there are tragedies all over and we need to look no further than Christ Mm -hmm. and the best place to be pointed back to him is in the church and in community. And so, to kind of make that a long intro, <laughs> um, I am going to let them just introduce themselves a little bit, tell um, tell you guys about them. So, Dima, why don't you go ahead and start? Tell us a little bit about you. Well, hey, uh, <laughs> first of all, thanks for having us on here. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Uh, my name is Dimitri. I am one of the pastors of Resurrection Church, a uh, church mm-hmm. that exists in multiple cities. We are, Mm -hmm. myself and Pastor Lewis, we uh, are part of a congregation in Federal Way. Uh, Personally, I, uh, so been married to my wife, Mary, for uh, coming up on 10 years. And we have three boys, Mm -hmm. uh, Johnny, Judah, and James, and a baby girl on the way, baby Joy, who we uh, expect to show up in the next month or so. So my my background is basically... Uh, grew up in the, in the, in a Slavic, uh, Slavic meaning, you know, Russian, Ukrainian, Moldovian, Romanian context, uh, here in the States, part of an immigrant immigration, you know, effort. Uh, my, my parents, uh, immigrated to the States in 1994 mm. and naturally as immigrants, we kind of found, uh, like-minded, you know, community, culture. yeah, mm-hmm. culture, right. Mm-hmm. Found other uh, Slavs in the area and, uh, got connected to a Slavic church. And I grew up in that Slavic church and this was a, uh, culturally conservative Pentecostal charismatic church, Okay. which that's, did you have a podcast episode in dancing. and of itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> Although we didn't, so we didn't have the, you know, the dancing, race flags and dancing flags. because we were Slavs. Yeah. yeah okay. we were, you know, no, dancing. Like, no dancing, no dancing, no yeah. alcohol. Okay nothing okay right but we did the the theology was very much a, a charismatic uh a pentecostal the, theology okay theological background okay and so uh grew up in that context wasn't a just was just a cultural christian and then um <clears throat> uh, at some point god intervened in my life yeah. saved me and brought me into his family and then you know long story short uh, went through a, a number of different things and ended up being a pastor at Resurrection Church. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd be a pastor? No, and that's that's part of the irony of, of, of my uh, my story is uh, I definitely did not want anything to do with the church okay. because I grew up in a church where I saw a lot of the abuse of power. I saw mm. guys who were in leadership roles who 
lived lives that were completely hypocritical and antithetical to the gospel. And for me, I was like, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. I could just go smoke weed and, you know, pursue women and skateboard and not have to pretend like these other, you know, church leaders are pretending and that sort of thing. Wow. And uh, I remember a peak peak moment of of, uh, my conflict with my dad at the time was him saying, you know, you know, because I was pretty much like walking away from the church, walking mm. away from the faith. Yeah. He's like, watch one day you're going to be a pastor. And I'm like, you know, in my mind, I said, expletive you, yeah. dad. <laughs> Some not nice things. Did not, yeah, did not say it <laughs> yeah. verbally because I would have gotten beat <laughs> like, <laughs> mercilessly. Yes. No, no disrespecting <laughs> dad. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, but I thought it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought it. It's the same and, thing. You may so, as well have said it. Yeah, but I mean, but, now, yeah. so now being a pastor, right? It's uh, I remember when I entered into uh, pastoral ministry, my dad actually, you know, reminisce on the on the, not reminisce would be a bad word, I guess. You know, reminisce on on conflict. Re- reflect. reflect, reflect. Yeah, I reflected word. back, and he and he he had the last laugh. You know, he was like, "I told you." Yeah, you know, yeah. And I was just like, "You're right." So. What a great, humble way to get into oh, yeah, the yeah. ministry. 100%. That's so great. Yeah, super humble. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Pastor Lewis. So yeah, I was uh, born and raised in the South Seattle area. Um, uh, my uh, my parents were excellent parents, mm-hmm. um, but not Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mom was a nominal Roman Catholic. Dad wasn't anything, and. Uh, they were great parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking back on it, always felt loved, always mm-hmm. felt secure. Um, mom was gracious. Uh, dad was loving and caring, mm-hmm. but clearly the boss. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I uh, hit junior high, uh, a lot of my friends started to party, and that mm-hmm. just wasn't my thing. And mm-hmm. so uh, the school, the high school that I would have gone to was a notorious party school, and I didn't really want to go there. And I played club soccer with several kids who went to Seattle Christian High School, mm-hmm. and they said, hey, come check out our school. And so um, it was uh, probably around May of, of uh, 1982. I was an eighth grader at that point, and uh, I went and checked it out, and the vibe was different than I was used to. I didn't Mm. know what it was, Mm. Um, but the kids were friendly. Uh, Nobody was throwing hands in the hallway. Um, It was just really not what I had uh, experienced uh, (laughs) up to that current school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I I just dug it. And so I asked my parents if I could go there. Uh, This, I went through the interview process with the principal and he must have known that I was not a Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. as I was going through that interview and they accepted me anyways. And so I started mm-hmm. in, uh, in September of 1982, started at Seattle Christian high school. I was a freshman, I was 14 years old and about a month into it, uh, we had a all high school retreat of a camp Casey, uh, would be on it. Yes. That's so, right in my sixth grade camp. Yeah. <laughs> it's where we all go. <laughs> And so one night, uh, one of the guys uh, who was kind of the speaker for the weekend um, talked about a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And so it was that night, September 24th, 1982, on mm-hmm. a quiet beach uh, by myself, um, mourning my sin, repenting, 
and uh, becoming a Christian. And everything has radically changed from that. And again, I was not born into a Christian home. Mm -hmm. I had no church background. Mm -hmm. I had no experience. I'd never read the Bible. Mm -hmm. We had a family Bible that sat on the coffee table, <laughs> yeah. untouched in pristine, uh, pristine state. Mm -hmm. um, it was dusty, probably a little bit. Mom, no, mom, no, mom dusted. Mom, it. mom okay. dusted it. No, yeah, because no, mom was couldn't look like it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Keep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we we're Catholic. We weren't encouraged to actually read the Bible, um, but we we venerated it. And uh, spine unbroken. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I I started reading the Bible because we had a Bible class, and my. Uh, my teacher, Mrs. Jan Claire Coper, was using J. Vernon McGee's material, through the Bible material, starting in the book of Joshua, uh, going all the way through uh, to Second Chronicles. And that was my introduction to the Bible. And, you know, she'd always bring everything back around to Jesus, which I thought was odd and kind of a stretch. Mm -hmm. But what did I know? I mean, I was 14 and she was old. I mean, she was... <laughs> 24, 24, 24 oh years old. Right. She's 10 years older than me. She was old. Dear mm, Lord. Yeah, Ouch. yeah, it all hurts. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyways, that's where my, that's where my faith journey began. Wow. And I knew nothing wow. about the Bible. That's amazing. So, and uh, the Lord uh, turned uh, an attitude of, I'm going to know more than all these kids. <laughs> Uh, into an actual desire to know his word. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I was a, a senior in high school, um, I had moved past many of my friends because many of them grew up in church. And while my spiritual journey was beginning, mm -hmm. their spiritual journey was ending. Oh, and man, so, isn't that true of so yeah, many yeah. Christians who are raised in the church? Yeah. I feel mm -hmm. like that's such a... That is a mission on its own, the unchurched, the yep. people who grew up in church but don't know Jesus. Yep. They just were like, this is just what I do. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. That um, A friend of mine, she was in um, episodes four and five of this, and she said she just knew like how to act, like so mm -hmm. her whole life. Mm -hmm. And it yep. wasn't until she went to rehab that like God actually saved her. But like yep. 24 years of her life. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. and this, I think a lot of even pastors' kids kind of fall into that category yeah. too, because they're, yeah. they're brought to church early on Sunday, all day Sunday, mm. Wednesday. I mean, it's just wild. So, yeah. man, that's crazy. Um, well, thank you guys for sharing that. So, yeah, there's a little totally. intro for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, speaking of church, uh, I, I would wager to say that a lot of people who are critics about the church typically look at it as a business. I've actually heard people say that before mm -hmm. they, it's like, well, you're not really in it, but you can look at it however you want, I guess. Um, but I would say when it's mismanaged, it is. And I would say if you turn on your TV, a lot of times it's really easy to see that with a lot of mm -hmm. preachers who are on TV. Mm -hmm. I think it can be easily portrayed in that way, which is sure. sad and unfortunate and not necessarily true. But um, I would say, um, so I guess, what would you guys say, like, is the church? What is the structure? Who is in charge? If someone is thinking, yeah, they just want my money. Or if they've heard of it, it's, you know, what a faith seed mm. and da, 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 <laughs> like old, old, 
No, I don't think a lot of, I don't know. They do that on, yeah, televangelists do that. So in real life, if you're a member of a church, what, what do we consider the church and who is in charge? Which, well, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say first and fall, the, the televangelist, Mm -hmm. they're probably not a church. Mm-hmm. You know the, that that mm-hmm. organization for whatever it is mm-hmm. is probably not a church. So do not mix those up with the the church. Yeah, because I think yeah. there. I mean, I know you said like sometimes it could be perceived as a business. I think in many cases, the kind of prosperity preachers, teachers, you know, televangelists, mm-hmm. it is a business. Mm-hmm. It's a money making okay. scam machine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, which is not the church at all, mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about the church itself. The church is the people of God. Mm-hmm. It's a people. Mm-hmm. It's a people who have been saved by the grace of God, who uh, believe in Christ, and who have made a commitment to walk with Jesus mm-hmm. and be part of His family. Mm-hmm. And so, how that looks like in like a local expression of that yes. is that in in say like for, if we take for instance the city of Federal Way, well, mm-hmm. there are a number of local churches mm-hmm. uh, comprised of believers in Jesus who committed to live life together as a local community and to demonstrate uh, the love of God towards one another and towards their neighbors. And so so the church, in essence, is a people mm-hmm. redeemed and ransomed by the blood of Christ. Yeah. Now, in terms of like structure and organization, yeah. um, that's a different. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, when you when you look at the idea of leadership, mm-hmm. oftentimes we see it through the American lens of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. or we see a business model uh, or whatever. But oftentimes when I take folks through kind of a leadership training, um, <clears throat> the first thing I do is I take them to Ezekiel chapter 34, which is a very harsh um, critique of the leaders of the people of God. Mm-hmm who um, it says that uh, all shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves should not shepherds feed the sheep. You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost ones you have not sought, and with force and harshness, you have ruled them. So Christian leadership is pretty much the exact <laughs> opposite yeah. of everything. That, yeah. yeah. Wow. You know that that is a good. <laughs> you think yeah. you want to be a leader? Well. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's because really I think good. the definition of leadership is just simply someone who goes first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what mm-hmm. I what I tell people is whether you bear title or not, mm-hmm. if you turn around and people are following you then you're you're a leader. leader. Mm -hmm. If you have a title and no one is following you, you're You're just a leader. You're a guy out for a walk. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're out for a walk. That is, yeah, that's good. And and I Um, think, you know, we, if we're, if we're leading the church, we say, you should love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, we should go first. Mm -hmm. If we say to give our time, our talent, our treasure, we should be going first Mm -hmm. and leading in that. Not leading from behind, but mm. simply moving towards Jesus, mm-hmm. and hopefully mm-hmm. we've earned the right to be followed, so that we turn around and look, mm. and people are following us. Yeah, because if 
you know, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm -hmm. And the inverse is when I stop imitating Christ, you need to stop imitating me. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so I, that's the warning I often give to people who want to be leaders. Mm. Uh, leaders are the ones who go first. And when it comes to the church, our, our church is structured. Uh, we think in a, a biblical way that the, uh, the elders are the highest form of authority. human leadership mm -hmm. and authority. But when you even talk about authority, again, we're, we're talking about, I'm not going to ask somebody to do something that I myself am not willing to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, because then I fall right back into that Ezekiel 34 okay. warning right. that I'm doing something mm -hmm. out of selfish mm -hmm. uh, gain. Now mm -hmm. I'm bivocational. I don't get a paycheck for mm -hmm. this. I work. I build airplanes and have done so for 35 years, mm -hmm. um, with varying degrees of success. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sometimes they fly, yeah, sometimes, sometimes they drop Nothing's ever sky, come back. Yeah. There's been no report back to Lewis thus yeah. far in his career. So I've never been so charged. Far, yes, as far these as are you, the people that build your place. As far as you know, 100% accuracy because no one's ever said anything. That's the story I'm going That's how we're going. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, have a safe flight, everyone. Okay. Mm. Uh, think about Pastor Lewis next time mm. you're flying. Right, right. You better hope right. you made your place right. or hope you didn't. That's yeah. whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, that's, I, I also would agree as someone who has been in a couple different type of church structures, I suppose I would, part of what I was looking for in my church shopping journey, I guess, over the last couple of years was, um, a leadership team, I guess, or I guess leadership structure and authority. Cause that is so important and mm -hmm. how, especially when you've had church hurt and when you've been under like, I don't want to say abuse. Cause that's a, that can be, there is that, that does exist. That's not necessarily, um, what I experienced, but just not, Oh, I don't even have the word, but it was very important to me is what I will say to, to see that and to have that structure be there and have it not just be one person in charge. Like, just because like Dimitri, you're the speaking pastor, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that like you have all the authority. No. I would like, so, and that is, and, and because our, our church specifically is, uh, I get a plant, like we're a smaller church, yeah. uh, but there, there's also authority above you in that way mm -hmm. that, and then even a net, like just having more people than just being like, we're just going to go plant yeah. and yeah. Jesus mm -hmm. is our CEO. Here, here, Jesus is our, like, here, here's oh. an interesting, like just a, a quick segue, yeah. if I may. Yeah. We're coming up. I mean, we're recording this podcast mm -hmm. uh, the week before Sunday, October 31st, mm -hmm. which is Reformation Sunday. Mm -hmm. This is the day in which we recognize the Reformation, what's taken place. Uh, and one of the things about the Reformation that is monumentally important is that through the Reformation, what God did through mm -hmm. the Reformers was to get the Bible into the hands of everyday Joes, mm -hmm. average mm -hmm. Joes yep. like you and I, mm -hmm. which is people who are uh, lay people who have mm -hmm. access to the scriptures mm -hmm. as our final authority on all matters of faith and practice. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that people don't understand is any authority that a pastor has is derived authority. 
It is not absolute authority. Mm. It is an authority that is mm. given to them from God, who is the mm -hmm. ultimate authority, mm -hmm. and through his word. Mm -hmm. right? So every pastor mm -hmm. is subject to the scriptures and what the scriptures teach. Mm -hmm. So when we think about having elders in our congregation or like overseers or pastors, mm -hmm. right, or deacons or, you know, we don't just come up with those titles out of thin air. Right. 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 Those are we 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 do the, the structure has to reflect what the scriptures teach right right and so oftentimes what you get is yeah you get these uh church structures and models where pastors tend to see themselves above the scriptures and what they teach mm -hmm. or above uh the authority of the bible which that's where you get all these crazy problems and all, all the well, I mean, abusive power and all this stuff well yeah. i mean we've seen it even just as recently as uh oh my gosh who's the hillsong guy uh why can I not remember his name? He's the nice, lead he's guy. Got nice yes. shoes. The guy he's, with the nice shoes. Uh, he had glasses. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, the guy who is close, tight with uh, Justin Bieber. Yeah, the Biebs. Gosh, what's um, his name? The Carl guy. Lentz. Yes, okay. That's the guy. Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz, yeah. Yes. I, I guess he has. he's probably been on Preachers and Sneakers. I probably. I also have as well. I took a picture of my Chuck Taylors <laughs> that I got at Ross for Chet, $14. Is that on your Instagram? Is that, <laughs> is that on Instagram? Look, I was wearing Chucks long before they were cool. That's right. You know, it's right. 53. I'm old. X. <laughs> Yeah. You you have wisdom. Not. That's that's an age sure. of wisdom. That's, that's what right. we'll that's call right. that. That's right. But see, that's that's the thing, right? Yeah. People don't. People have to understand. The final authority mm -hmm. on anything in matters of faith and practice mm -hmm. is the word of God. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Not a pastor, not a preacher, yeah. not a pope, not a priest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's the scriptures. Right. Right. And so, so long as the pastors of a church and the, the church itself, the doctrine of mm -hmm. the church is submitted into the scriptures, mm -hmm. that church is a biblical church. Mm -hmm. It's a church that is representing what the church ought to be like. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. That's important to know. Like first yeah. and foremost, pastors are members of a church before yeah. they're pastors, right? Mm. The same standards that Ooh. members have apply to the pastor. Yeah. So this is an important point yeah. that Lewis made about going first. The only thing that makes you a leader is that you are doing the things that the scriptures call you to do, and that you're encouraging others to do the same. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just what it is. That's the bare minimum. Yeah. Of what that what that is yeah it's not yeah. about having a fancy green room and a oh, yeah. private oh, you know entrance and a helicopter yeah. landing pad yeah there's a reason we don't have I a mean, zip line yeah. in our church <laughs> one because yeah. we can't afford it it's but like, two <laughs> well, there's, um, there's not there's enough room here. There's not kids, yeah. kids will probably beat me like sure. a pinata yeah. on my way down <laughs> We have, we have a we lot give of kids. them sticks. We give them sticks. Yeah. Well, your boys find them out yeah. what's out there. Yeah. <laughs> your boys are the ones <laughs> who lead. My boys would be the ones who lead. They'd be like, Dad, we found this huge yeah. stick. And wow. It's like, <laughs> it is like, it is amazing yeah. the size of the branches oh, that yeah, are no, out oh, there. That the whole crew. Every Sunday, we're constantly waiting for some kid to get injured. 
And the fact it's is, wild. is that you can hit him with the stick, and it will not be candy coming out. Yeah, <laughs> that's the good thing. We have a nurse in our con- in we, our in our congregation. We do. We, we have God. doctors. We have <laughs> we nurses. We have EMT. Amen. Let's get yeah. that zip line. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> add, the, add the line item to the budget 2022. Yes. Oh, kidding! Please not please doing that. If, if I ever this is if I ever suggest to my yeah. zip line, please. please. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have it recorded. Fire it yeah. is. Yeah. Fire me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, me, that is. So, okay. So we know that these things are real, that churches and pastors, they fail, they mistreat people, they mismanage, they get, I mean, everyone is susceptible to pride, especially I think those who are in leadership. Like, yeah. I just feel like you open yourself up as a leader for Satan to just attack you in so many more ways because of the like beautiful burden and calling that it takes to be a pastor. So what would you say as pastors or just, I mean, as Christians, as people who have also um, walked through this, because we do have a lot of people in our, in our, larger congregation at resurrection who have walked through church hurt. Um, what is, what, I guess, biblically, like how, how should we treat those pastors in a place of power? Like if I'm just a normal congregation member who, how, how am I to act towards the person who has hurt or betrayed us? Because I mean, there's a whole podcast series out about a specific a big church around here and pastor heard a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of, and a lot of those people attend our church. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. what, what is the, the response to that? Like, what do we do with that hurt when we are betrayed by our pastors or we are hurt? Like what, how, what should we do with that? Yeah. That I, I think, I think it boils down to what are we called to do? Anytime we're hurt in, in mm-hmm. any relationship, yep. Yep. Um, you know, ultimately we are called to forgive mm-hmm. and our example, our leader, of course, is Jesus mm-hmm. who, while he was in the process of being crucified, mm-hmm. was proactively forgiving those who were carrying out the task. Mm-hmm. You know, Father, forgive mm-hmm. them. They don't know what they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does sound a bit trite, but it is our call as Christians to be forgiving. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's really hard. As a matter of fact, one might even say it's supernatural. Right. Because um, in our human nature, um, we want retribution. Mm-hmm. We want those wrongs to be righted. We want the... Uh, we want the 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 price to be paid, mm-hmm. and there's something in that. I think that is good and right because God Himself will right the wrongs. Right. He demands that there be punishment for sin, right. and the question is, who carries that punishment and who meets it out? Mm-hmm. And I think for the Christian, that we are called to not pursue um, that kind of um, uh, retribution. But I I think the Bible 
calls for us as followers of Jesus to leave room for for God to right those wrongs. Mm. And I, I think one of the things that we often have to to put ourselves into that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for mm. us mm -hmm. and that he was proactively forgiving us mm -hmm. while, while we were still his enemies. Mm -hmm. And so that is a high calling. That is something that I think is not possible without relying on the spirit of God yeah. uh, to, uh, to fill you and to assist you in carrying out the impossible task. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that's, that's part of the, the, I think that's probably the starting point mm -hmm. uh, because when you forgive others, you're not letting them off the hook. Um, you're just allowing room for God to right the wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to that point too, that's not to dismiss the fact that you feel anger or pain mm -hmm. over the hurt and abuse that's been done mm -hmm. right this last week we were talking about this idea of jesus getting angry mm -hmm. at the traders and the money changers in the temple in john chapter 2. Mm -hmm. um there is a place for righteous anger and th the question is isn't in whether or not we get angry it is what we do with that anger mm -hmm. right so if i'm hurt if i experience a pastor or leader in the church that hurts me or fails me or does something that is very hurtful um, for me to feel that, to recognize the pain and to be angry over it is appropriate. Mm -hmm. But then what do I do with that anger? Mm -hmm. That is where the scriptures have a lot of warnings for us, have a lot of instruction for us on what we are to do with that. Yeah. Um, I'll post your sermon in the show notes because that was a good one. And then we'll, have a really great response to it. yeah i mean because i mean be, uh, being being offended is i mean everybody gets offended uh, mm -hmm. i get offended on a daily basis mm -hmm. you know um some of that comes from me yeah <laughs> some of that comes from lewis yeah uh, Ministry. but you know i mean and, and i'm a, you know we're we're you know we're being a little lighthearted on this right which is fine but i know that for some people there's some significant like traumatic things that they've yes. gone through, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. we're talking abuse of power, we're talking mm -hmm. sexual abuse, we're talking about mishandling of counseling cases that just go super south. Yeah. Yeah. Like we know that those things happen, yeah. but the answer is not, as Pastor Lewis mentioned, retributive justice or vengeance or whatever, but it is acknowledging the fact that in our limited perspective, we are incapable of doling out appropriate justice yeah. and an appropriate yeah. response mm -hmm. to injustice yeah. that we need God to be able to fully right the wrongs. Right. Yeah. And now with that, I can also acknowledge that, you know, going through uh, my own personal experiences with pastors that I looked up to failing me, mm. it is a, uh, it's one of those experiences where God does reprioritize your allegiances. Like you have to mm. understand that ultimate allegiance belongs to Christ. Yeah. It doesn't belong to any man or yeah. woman yeah. on the earth. It ultimately belongs to Christ. And so are you following Christ mm -hmm. or are you following a pastor? Mm -hmm. Are you following Christ or are you following a celebrity figure? Are you following Christ mm -hmm. or are you following someone who's super influential in your life, which is, totally fine mm -hmm. but are you following christ ultimately mm -hmm. or are you just doing this because 
you know, this and, is cool or popular. Or yeah, and that gets revealed when that person fails. Fails. Mm -hmm. totally, and totally. it's yeah, it definitely gets revealed. That's when you were talking about uh like you both had mentioned like God's justice and it just reminds me so much of how uh we we do want to avenge ourselves. We seek our own justice and we also have our own definition of what justice means. I right, think culturally, sure. like right. our flesh determines that and right, yeah. culture right. tells us that. Right. So that is kind of going to lead me into like a, another topic that I kind of want to cover, which would be like the deconstruction craze that is almost like popular and cool. And it's not, it's not either of those things. And mm -hmm. it just breaks my heart to see people who, you know, very popular, like former Christian figures that have renounced their faith, people in Christian bands who, I mean, some of them, I think we sing their songs here yeah. <laughs> sometimes because, sure. yeah. It, yeah. but it's just, right. it's wild to me that that has led, we have believed the lie mm -hmm. that not only can we, seek and uh like avenge ourselves but that we we have no ultimate like i guess culture has no objective standard anymore mm -hmm. and i i don't like i don't know how much of that comes from church hurt but i don't know what would what do you what would you say about like the deconstructive movement because i think that like how we you were saying dimitri earlier that like to feel certain things, there is like a righteous way to react to things and mm -hmm. to claim our own definition of things is clearly not the right way that we want to go back to scripture and that. So what are, what I, I'm not really sure like how I want to ask this, but I guess it's not, I, 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 I kind of want to, I don't know. It's like, how do we avoid deconstruction or what do we, what can we do or how do we point people to, I mean, back to Jesus? I guess that's just pretty generic, but I don't know. Like what, what do you guys make of like this doubt that then leads to deconstruction as I'm sure you guys have also seen people cause yeah, sure. go through that. I, cause it's just, I, I see more and more people doing it and it's just so yeah. crazy. So how would you, what would you say to, well, I would, I would that? first say to your point, uh, to a little bit uh, to push back a little bit on what you said, okay, and that is that it is popular and it is cool to deconstruct. Okay, yeah, that's well. I know yes, it is. I'm but in saying reality, it's not. you're like it's not. Yeah, yeah I'm saying, saying it's not. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But for most people, yeah. they're like, dude, this is cool. I think it's because, um, because the people who deconstruct, right? Yeah. Um, now regardless of whether or not you think their faith was sincere or genuine, mm -hmm. regardless of what you believe about mm -hmm. that, it's perceived as if it was sincere or genuine, mm -hmm. which then when they deconstruct, mm -hmm. it says, I've tried the real thing mm -hmm. and it ain't worth it, mm -hmm. which means I have a greater aspect of objectivity in my perspective as being on the inside mm -hmm. of this thing called Christianity. Mm -hmm. And now I've tasted it. And guess what? It's toilet water. Yeah. And that now, yeah. and now, now I'm on the outside because I've tried it. And don't worry about it. You don't need to go down this path. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the assumption. Right. That's the assumption. Yeah. Now, 
I have no problem with people deconstructing. I have no problem with that. In mm -hmm. fact, I've had to deconstruct in many ways. I mean, mm -hmm. I grew up in a particular context, assumed a particular subset of values and truths, mm -hmm. truth claims mm -hmm. about what the Bible's about, who Jesus is, what the church is like and what mm -hmm. it ought to be like, what my expectations are mm -hmm. of the church, mm -hmm. right? Everybody yeah. has those preconceived notions, Yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the question isn't, do we deconstruct? Mm -hmm. I would encourage every single person needs to deconstruct in some way, shape or form. So long mm -hmm. as what's constructed in its place, it's more accurate and more faithful to what the scriptures teach, mm -hmm. right? So nobody deconstructs in a vacuum. And I would say that very strongly. Like, I believe that. I think one of the popularities about the deconstruction movement is people assume this, like, myth of neutrality. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you could come to a point of neutrality, mm -hmm. right? Like, Christianity is kind of over here. You know, Mormonism is over here. Islam's over here. But we, the secular deconstructionists, are the most objective, neutral yeah. form. Which is not yeah. true. Yeah. There yeah, is yeah. no neutrality with right. regards to worldview. Everybody has a faith position. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a worldview. Mm -hmm. Right. And so nobody deconstructs in a vacuum. If you're deconstructing from one faith position, you're going to automatically adopt another faith position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me as a as a Christian, it's when I deconstruct certain things in my life, mm -hmm. underlying that deconstruction, there is a commitment to something. Mm -hmm. It's just, there just is, mm -hmm. right? And so if my commitment is I want to reconstruct more faithfully to the scriptures, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to brothers and sisters in Christ and the mm -hmm. family of God. I'm going to talk to pastors. I'm going to consult the scriptures. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read. I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. I'm going to reflect. I'm going to question. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to inevitably close my mind on certain things after I've had enough time to study them with an open mind, mm -hmm. right? But others... When they deconstruct and they don't come back to the Christian faith, mm -hmm. there is a commitment driving that. Now, whether they're aware of that commitment or not, that's you can't observe that from, right. from the outside. Right? But I would argue that there is a commitment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just been made somewhere in their heart at some point. Mm -hmm. One of the examples uh, that I, I've thought about is uh, my wife and I watch um, the show Fixer Upper. You know, yeah. Chip and, Chip Joanna. and Joanna, Joanna yeah. Chip and Joe, and uh, you know they 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 talk about you know houses and they're they're going to change things, mm -hmm. and there's always demo day. Like day one is demo day. Mm -hmm. They come in with the safety glasses and the sledgehammers, and they start blasting out cabinets and walls, and right. Tile, right? Yeah. And the show doesn't end there. Mm -hmm. There's more because they're actually mm -hmm. deconstructing so that they can reconstruct. And right. so yeah. this idea yeah. that yeah. it happens in a vacuum is, is not, it is it doesn't. Right. There must be some commitment at some point. Right. One cannot live your life with both feet just planted in midair. Mm -hmm. You right. have to come down somewhere on something. Mm -hmm. yeah. Regardless of what it is, you will make some faith leap some faith commitment and to something and is it is it a remodel if they just blow the house up and there's yeah. no foundation yeah like you're pretty much yeah. just starting from scratch and right. Home, right but right. most of these remodel and reconstruction efforts yeah. there's still a foundation there there's there is something right. there and and they build they build upon it and so uh, i like i mean as we come up on reformation day um they martin luther didn't start everything from scratch mm -hmm. i mean he was a catholic priest he mm -hmm. was on you know he he had um 
he had questions. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I, I, I think about is the idea of a daily reformation. You know, mm -hmm. how are we reforming each and every day? Because the Bible calls us to a, a constant um, renewing mm -hmm. of our mind. Mm -hmm. um, and with the ultimate goal of uh, that we would reflect Jesus. Mm -hmm. Christ-likeness is the goal. Mm -hmm. Being so, transformed from one degree of yes, glory to the next. Yeah. Yes, and, and I would encourage folks who are in this process of deconstruction. Um, you know, I, I think, first of all, as a, as a pastor, some of their hurts, I would say maybe many of their heart hurts, um, are legitimate. Right, yeah, mm. yeah. You know, and yeah. so I, I think, you know, again, this this passage in in Ezekiel, um, the sheep were hurt mm -hmm. by the leaders, mm -hmm. and God will call the leaders to account. Mm -hmm. um, but later on in that passage, um, it says that God Himself will be the shepherd, and so mm -hmm. I would I would encourage folks, you know, who are in that that place of hurt. Um, I understand. Um, I yeah. I hurt with you, as as a shepherd who is trying um, to lead by example mm -hmm. um, to be faithful to Christ, to be yeah. faithful to Christ, mm -hmm. and to be faithful to those who Christ loves, His mm -hmm. church. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Start with grace and yeah. compassion towards those folks, um, and and uh, I think there's a desire to be heard. Yeah. And we need to listen, yeah. mm -hmm. um, gently um, encouraging them mm -hmm. uh, to be like Jesus, you know. And if you question what that is, like like Dimitri said, go to the Scripture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus is altogether yeah. lovely. Yeah. When you look at who He is and what He's done mm -hmm. and how He treated people. He was kind to the sinners. Mm -hmm. They, they, they tend to flock to him, and mm -hmm. I don't think it was because he changed his standards. He didn't. Right? I think it was because they knew he loved them. Yeah, and that will go a long way. Yes. The only people Jesus really went after are the religious folks. Right. In John chapter two, mm -hmm. even making a whip, and driving them out of the temple area. <laughs> Um, yeah. Not the meek, mild Jesus we often think about. Mm -hmm. um, and Jesus was disgusted with religious hypocrisy too. Mm -hmm. And so I think as you are deconstructing, uh, look to Jesus. And like Dimitri said, reconstruct something. Because you are reconstructing something. By definition. But look at Jesus. Just yeah. look at Jesus. That's good. Yeah, and I mean, to, to, to Lou's point, I think it's really good. Um, oftentimes we can talk about the idea of deconstruction, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which, that's how I, I, I describe the idea of deconstruction. Right. right. Nobody deconstructs in a vacuum, yada, yada, yada. But the experience of deconstruction is what Lewis is alluding to. Like, it's very painful, mm -hmm. right? Because when people deconstruct, what are they doing? It's like... Parts of them are is dying because these are parts that they held so dear and near and dear mm -hmm. to their heart, yeah. right? Assumptions or views of, of, of Jesus or themselves mm -hmm. or the community of God's people, right? So near and dear to the heart that when that goes out the window, mm -hmm. 
you experience this lostness, like you you experience a sense of like disillusionment mm-hmm. um, uh, with reality in in your life, right? So yeah, I mean, it's uh, we have to always be careful to to be kind and uh, approachable and humble mm-hmm. when we care for people who are in the process of deconstruction. To be sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, so, but I'd also say, mm-hmm. also say this is this is an important point that. Uh, there is sometimes, though, that people do have certain assumptions that they they jump to regarding leaders or pastors mm-hmm. or their experience. Mm-hmm. That in our day and age, which kind of the spirit of the age is like, no one can question my emotional experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, no one can question what it is that I felt and what I've gone through mm-hmm. and what the pain that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. And it's mine and it's untouchable, mm-hmm. which that is also, I mean, scriptures invite you to challenge your experiences. Mm-hmm. Don't just assume that they're true mm-hmm. because you felt them. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the same thing with me. Like the pain that I've gone through in my life, I have to go as like, well, I feel this deeply, but is this actually true? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I have to, I have to have the courage and it is courage. It takes guts and courage to ask that mm-hmm. at face value and go, I got to challenge my hurt and my emotional dysregulation and go, is, is it actually in accord with the truths of God's word mm-hmm. or not? Yeah. You know, I think, so. yeah, I think a lot of cultural Christianity is based around our feelings, especially like churches. We're seeking that emotional experience and sure. just hopping from one of those to the next and, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's, those are, everything you all just said, very good, (laughs) really, really good. And it's, um, I think that there is, because it's such a hype thing, it's like this epidemic sweeping through the church. And um, I don't think the last 18 months helped with any of that either. Mm -hmm. I mean, deconstructing is not even the idea of deconstructing isn't necessarily a new thing in general. Mm -hmm. We had talked about this before. Like it's just got a different name, like doubting or backsliding. Like it's always been there, but we've not always had social media to make it popular, to make it a hashtag to make, you know, so it's, um, it's not anything new that, you know, nothing new under the sun, really. I right. Mean. And, and that's just, <laughs> it's an interesting point that you bring up because I think one of the things that people who experience deconstruction feel deeply is that I've just discovered these truths to be lies mm. right now. Like, you know, certain questions that they ask a pastor mm. or a leader in the church and they don't get a good answer. Or the answer that they get is a is a like either manipulative or abusive or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they their questions are legitimate, mm-hmm. right? But they don't consult the robust tradition of church history mm-hmm. and see that these questions are not novice. Mm-hmm. These are questions that have been asked before. These are questions that have been grappled with before, mm-hmm. right? Questions of the problem of evil or suffering, right? Or yeah. or um, you know. Uh, the, the the canon of scripture or the sufficiency of scripture or the inspiration of scripture, like all these questions they've been wrestled with. Mm-hmm. There are legitimate answers to these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the moment it may feel as though, 
you know, because so-and-so can give me an answer or because, you know, I feel as though what I assumed to be true about the nature and character of God is no longer true. Therefore, there can't possibly be an answer mm. to my question, mm -hmm. which is not the case. And I would encourage you, if you're in a position where you're potentially experiencing this season of deconstruction, don't take history for granted. Mm. You know, check out to see what believers from hundreds, thousands of years ago have believed and thought and pondered and reflected on these questions. Mm -hmm. And you'll see, you'll be surprised. Yeah. That's good. So, um, so moving into, or I guess away from the next stage of like deconstructing and even, even doubting, I would say what, um, because those can be one and the same. I think deconstruction, doubt, it's such a spectrum. I think that sure. you can discover things, even um, in reading scripture, that can give you doubt about certain things. But we know that the Bible is consistent. It is sufficient. It answers its own questions. Mm -hmm. um, and I have had the thought that, you know, if someone is going through this, but they may just having doubt on its own does not necessarily imply that one is not saved. I think that's the sure. other thing is mm -hmm. even in reading about Martin Luther, he was always so con like convicted mm -hmm. deeply by mm -hmm. his own sin. Right. But um, in uh, first John, it says that I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Mm -hmm. And that kind of says it, but how, what are things that if someone is doubting or even just having questions of like, oh, am I, am I a Christian? What do you think are some of the ways that um, we can rest in assurance or if we're looking to like grow in our faith, even what are some ways, obviously like, reading the Bible, we know, but we know that there are other really great ways secondarily, tertiarily to those things, um, to kind of combat those thoughts or those doubts. What would you suggest? Well, I, I think everybody, everybody struggles with doubts in life, rethinking, kind of rethinking things when mm -hmm. things don't go as planned. Mm -hmm. Or if things don't go as promised, mm. um, sometimes there's there's some assumptions in those that that following Jesus will make my life awesome. Mm. Yeah, and there's some truth to that. There is <laughs> yes. some truth to that. Um, but some of the biblical promises we tend not to stand on is in this world, you will have tribulation. Mm -hmm. That's a biblical promise that you generally don't see on a bumper sticker. Right. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good. There will be, there will be times where it's, it's not advantageous to be a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, in, in America for many years, it was, and over the last 20 or 30 years, it hasn't. Mm -hmm. And in the last couple of years, it really hasn't. Yeah, for sure. And so we are moving toward that post-Christian uh, America. Mm. Um, but I, th I think that, you know, I, I guess I, 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 take, I take for granted the family of origin for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my parents loved me and my sister without condition. Um, they, they loved us. We knew it. We felt safe and we felt secure. And at no time did we not feel loved by our folks. Mm-hmm. And so I, I am very privileged to have had that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was a wonderful model of who God is. When I learned about God as a heavenly father, mm-hmm. for me, it was like, oh, he's like my dad, but even better. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I know that not everybody has that experience. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and so looking again, looking at, at the scripture, how does God view his people? How does he love his people? What is it? Uh, what is the actual demonstration of love? Mm-hmm. And um, it it is found in the person of Christ as revealed in the scripture mm-hmm. that he loved us to the point where he carried our sin and forgave us. And he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the extent of love that his love laid down his life mm-hmm. for the object of his love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all of us, deep down, whether we're Christian, not Christian, constructing or deconstructing, mm-hmm. I think we look at that and go, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what I think the Bible describes the love of God towards his people mm-hmm. is he loves us even when we are not lovable. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a father of, uh, of six. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love my kids um, and would die for them. And yet there are times when our relationship is strained. Mm -hmm. There there have been some good times and some bad times. Um, But they are always my kid. Mm. They're always my child. Mm -hmm. And I I do love them. Mm -hmm. And if I, as a human being, demonstrate that, how much Mm -hmm. more does, uh, does God love completely? And I, I think that, you know, I, I think that is something that we long for. Mm-hmm. And I would, can, I would challenge folks to seek that mm-hmm. in the person of Jesus. And I know it sounds simplistic and trite, um, but I'm not talking about finding um, the perfect church or looking to a pastor, but really looking at Jesus. Mm-hmm. And something that you always remind me of, too, when we have conversations about folks who are either struggling with doubt or something. And this is, I can't remember who came up with this quote, but it's not the faith in the object that saves you. It's the object of your faith that saves you, right? So it's not like my salvation, Mm -hmm. your salvation Mm -hmm. isn't determined by how strong or weak your faith is. Mm-hmm. Praise God for that. Right. Amen. Like my my salvation mm-hmm. is secured and my standing in the family of God is secured. Yeah. By Christ and his work. Right. Objectively. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Which means in seasons where I'm doubting, in seasons where I'm hurting, in seasons where I'm like, man, I'm not sure about this God. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Right? I can still in that moment in those seasons find assurance and go Jesus, it's your work, mm-hmm. not not 
you know, how strong I believe it. You know, I'm having a hard time believing mm -hmm. right, in this moment. But if there's an inkling, an iota, a, a mustard seed faith, right? Yeah. It's the object of that faith that saves. Mm -hmm. right? The object being Christ yeah. himself. Yeah. Right? And so, so I would say, the you know, scriptures say, uh, a bruised reed he will not break. Right? Have you uh, read that book? And what's that? Have you read that book? Is that a book? It's a, a bru the bruised reed. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. No. It's in old it's, a, it's in Bible. Yeah, it's yeah. in the Bible. It's, it's a big book. Yeah. I've sure read that. No, book. no, no. There, it's I've read a that book. book. It's, yeah, no, no, no. Sure, not yeah. the Bible. There's, yeah. a, it's like there's a, a legitimate. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. called the Bruce Reed. Mm. It's like Thomas Watson or some old. Oh dead wow, guy. like a Puritan guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll. I'll. But but the, but the yeah, idea yeah. in that. Yeah. Great. Put that in the is that is yeah yeah it's it's hard those those who those who belong to God when they're hurting God doesn't just snuff them out that's not the character of God. Yeah, with regards to the bruised reed, like mm -hmm. that's, I mean, the idea there is that any sincere Christian mm -hmm. who is hurting, doubting, struggling, the heart of God isn't to say, well, forget you then, mm -hmm. right? How dare you doubt? <laughs> How dare you fail yeah. me, mm -hmm. right? God's heart for his people is, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to care for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to make sure that you get through this hard season. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the promise of scripture. That is the encouragement that we have from a God who doesn't abandon us beyond the premise of our performance. Mm -hmm. Right. But that he's committed to us with a, a commitment that is backed up by his perfect track record of faithfulness. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he went to the grave and he rose mm -hmm. from the grave, which says, that this historic event that I cannot undo mm -hmm. is objective enough to secure assurance of salvation for me mm -hmm. for forever. Yeah. I can't go mm -hmm. back 2000 years and undo what Christ did. He did it. Right. Right. So right. Yeah. that should give me enough hope to go, man, I can't undo that. And even if I'm struggling right now with faith, I can still go, well, Jesus has done already what needed to be done. For sure. So. Oh, that is so good um yeah because i think assurance of faith is another thing that uh yeah people it's not just doubt but it's just like i'm doing all the right things and like i love god but like how do like how can i know what do and it's i i i have i have struggled with that a little bit but similar to what you were saying pastor lewis is like i have a really great dad who loves me and so for me to relate God to a father was very easy. It's more him as judge that I'm like, there's great. Like, and, and I think that I've, I've heard that you, most Christians have one or two views. It's easier. It's easier to know him as judge. If you've had a more turbulent relationship with your father or you know him as father and he's both and mm -hmm. in a beautiful yeah. fusion. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, that's really I, good. Yeah, I don't really have I you guys are answering really well. And so I don't really have responses to anything you're saying. <laughs> but um <laughs> okay. yeah, it's it's so great. Um so it's probably not that great. Well, I don't I think it's good. It's great. I, well, I mean, listen, and what, here comes the self-deprecation. Yes, yes, Welcome. <laughs> When you listen back, when you listen back. I'm going to have to do a lot of editing. Uh, yes, you a lot will, of removing. That's what I meant. 
Um, yeah. yeah. This interview's four hours long. Yeah. So there's a lot of editing in this one hour episode. It was just, yeah. Episode. Yeah, one hour ish. I, oh, try well, to combat the self deprecation, I'm actually really dope. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm actually really. You guys, I mean, he, you know, Lewis. he is a dope. I yeah. can tell you. <laughs> he um, is a dope. <laughs> is, that, is that where you're going with that? I affirm that. Oh, <laughs> that's exactly oh, where I was going. Oh man. Uh, we do. Oh, he is gosh. a dope. This, <laughs> just one. I mean, one letter Definite article just changed everything. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, listen, come to our church, guys, yeah. and see this uh, for yeah. yourselves. Yeah. You don't like organized this... religion, come hang out with yeah. us. We are totally disorganized. Yeah. If, we sh if you show up, we oh. know you didn't show up for because yeah. we're celebrity yeah. pastors. Yeah. He's not your celebrity pastor, and neither am I. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Uh, if we show up, no. we know your faith is sincere. Yeah. In Christ. Yeah. Oh if you want to know about us, you ask our wives. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, oh, by stories, the way, I would love to have both to of tell. them on sometime, which oh, would be so would great. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely would be oh, so great. I would love to interview them yeah. and have them on on as well. Yeah, they're busy. Because pastors, yes. pastors' wives have a very important role, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's a sacrifice for them in a lot of ways, like to yes. come into ministry. It's not it is. it is it's not an easy easy thing either. But um yeah. well, is there anything else? I I am just so so grateful to have both of you uh, again agreeing to do this. I will have you back because I have a right now I have a small list but eventually I will have more things that I want to discuss because again I just I am not qualified and to to speak on these things necessarily and so or to to teach or preach and I'm just really just thankful you guys agreed to do this so is there anything else that you would want to share with anyone regarding this topic that we didn't touch on already I don't know if there is anything I feel like we did a pretty good job. Or you, <laughs> we, you guys, <laughs> you guys did a really great job. So uh, if there's, I, yeah. I just, you know, it, uh, if, if somebody is actually, you know, reeling from church hurt, mm. um, you know, I would encourage you to, to just hang in there. Mm. Um, it, discouragement is, is um, it, it's hard because, um, sometimes you can you can get into a cycle of um, isolation or you know even sometimes um, surrounding yourselves um, with with people who are not going to encourage you um, you know the and what I mean by that is they're they're encouraging you in the wrong things mm -hmm. and so uh, I would just encourage you to spend time reading the Bible looking at who Jesus is. Um, and I, I think, I, I think that just looking at who he is and what he said and what he did um, is compelling by itself. I remember seeing a bumper sticker that said, Lord, protect us from your people. <laughs> <clears throat> and I thought Save to myself, your followers. that is a painful oh, truth. It is. And, uh, and, and I, I hope that um, you will look not to uh, 
the followers necessarily and judge the entire group mm -hmm. on the folks who have hurt you, mm -hmm. but judge the entire thing on who Jesus is and what he's done. Mm -hmm. And I think it's compelling. And uh, as, a, as a pastor and as a father and as a grandfather, mm -hmm. um, I, I, do, um, I, I do have compassion on those who are hurting. And it, it does hurt to see people hurt. Mm -hmm. um, because I know in many ways, but by the grace of God, go any of us. And, uh, and I would just encourage folks to uh, just hang in there. Well, yeah. with that, thank you guys both so, again for being here. And thank you. yeah. And that is it for now. We will, um, again, I will, I will bring these both these hooligans back, but, wow. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but just so, so blessed by them and what they had to share. And, um, I hope you, that everyone listening feels encouraged and that you, uh, would just seek the scriptures and look to Christ mm -hmm. as, is a part of your identity and not to any person or congregation or business or follower or anything apart from who God is. And so just, um, yeah, with that, I will say until next time. Well, there you have it friends. I know that I have been and will continue to be prayerful for those who are in a season of doubt, deconstruction, or just hurting from a previous church experience. Trust not in chariots or horses, friends, but in the name of our Lord. Um, I was so blessed by this conversation and truly count it a joy to be a part of the people of God that we call the church. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope you could hear the heart um, behind Pastor Lewis and Pastor Dimitri for um, not just those going through deconstruction or doubt, but just I hope that you could get a glimpse of who they are as people, as fathers, as husbands, as friends. Uh, I am just so immensely blessed and cannot wait to have another episode where we feature them and where we get to ask them questions and um, it will be really really great so for now i hope you find joy seek the beauty and community lead with compassion and share the gospel of jesus christ from your corner of the world bye for now